Josh. Hey, Audrey. <laughs> what are we doing in Oklahoma today? Uh, apparently, we're on a podcast. And they trusted us to do this. Why? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> today, we're going to talk about pipeline assets, investment recovery, pipeline construction, and just the market in general. So, ARS Global, we are the midstream partner of Streamline Sourcing Solutions. And my name is Audrey. And I'm Josh. And Josh is going to give us a 10,000 foot general view of what asset recovery is. Asset recovery is the process in which uh, midstream owner operators divest of idle assets. So those idle assets can come from project cancellations, scope changes, or just uh, idle inventory that um, companies may have laying around that's on their books that may be aged, but it could be useful to another company. Um, so that's kind of where ARS comes into the picture. We consider ourselves a peer-to-peer -peer sourcing model. So what does that mean, right? It's a owner operator has a batch of pipe that was supposed to be used for project A and that project has now been canceled. So it's on their books and it's sitting there um, deteriorating, um, rusting, whatever the case may be, the coating might be going bad. Well, instead of running the asset all the way into the ground, what ARS does is we go and we find a buyer for that in the same midstream space that the original owner was. So what we're looking for is another midstream operator, an end user, um, to come in and take over that asset and go build a pipeline with it. Okay. And what do you feel like the roles of buyers and sellers are? Like, when is it best for selling? Sure. So obviously, um, the best time to sell is uh, when the when the prices have peaked. What we do is strictly based around commodity pricing. So you're looking at steel prices and other components of manufacturing, and those uh, those prices fluctuate with uh, different markets. So the obvious answer to that would be the best time to sell is at the peak of, right. of those prices. But uh, we all know that that's not always the case. And sometimes we have to find a buyer uh, at a different, um, a different time in the market. But what you're really looking for as a seller is you're looking for an end user. So there's an organization out there called the Investment Recovery Organization. Um, I'm sorry, the Investment Recovery Association, ARS Global, and our sister company is a part of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have an investment recovery handbook. And in that handbook, they talk about, as a seller, how do you maximize returns on your surplus assets? And the number one thing that you're always looking for to maximize returns is an end user. Mm -hmm. And that's where the peer-to-peer -peer model comes in. Um, we're not actively seeking another broker to come in and buy the asset, we're going after someone or a company that is going to take the pipe or the valves or whatever the other components may be and construct an actual pipeline out of the components. And that would be an end user. The next step down on that hierarchy would be a broker. And you see a significantly reduced returns because there's uh, holding costs involved, whether it's storage facility, rent, there's insurance, there's overhead like payroll and other things that eat away at the cost over the time that you're holding this inventory. 
Um, so you've got to compensate for that and you've also got to compensate for profit margins. So right. you're going to see reduced returns as a seller by selling it to brokers. And finally, the lowest level of that hierarchy is going to be scrap metal. And right. uh, no one wants to see a good asset. Um, in ARS Global's case, all of our assets are new never used, fully documented, fully traceable with all of the documentation associated with it to go into a pressurized service. Uh, but there are assets out there that maybe the stencils are worn off or maybe the, um, maybe the company got acquired and the sets of the documents are no longer Valid. there. Yeah. Um, the field office got torn down or removed and uh, now they don't have the correct documentation. Well, that's going to go to more of a salvage market. And when you start looking at the salvage markets like um, a structural steel market or a true scrap market where things get cut up and put into a scrap bin, that's going to be your lowest return as a seller. So when we look at roles of buyers and sellers, the sellers are actively seeking end users. Sometimes time's not on your side. Um, so the broker might have to be the case. And there's um, investment recovery organizations and a lot of major energy companies that are actively seeking all of the avenues to, to get rid of the asset. So okay. that would be, uh, that would kind of be my take on <laughs> buyers and sellers. Okay. And just peer to peer sourcing benefits, like is, are they immediately available assets? Is there a lead time? What do you? So going back to the end user, um, the end user target for the seller, uh, that the peer to peer model um, allows the sellers to maximize returns um, from a capital standpoint, but more money in the door, less of a write down when you're getting inventory off the books. Now, what does that mean for the buyer? It means that there's immediately available inventory Right. There's shorter lead times. There's accelerated um, construction timeframes. And oftentimes there's cost savings involved. So um, that's kind of how the buyers really reap the rewards of an asset recovery program. Okay, awesome. And what would you say um, the criteria would be when you're considering to resource uh, assets from a canceled project or? So I think uh, number one is going to be condition. We can go out and look. If we look at pipe, um, there's UV degradation on coating. Right. Uh, there's pitting and rusting and scaling of raw steel the longer it sits out in the environment. And a lot of that is geographic too, right? So if you're in the middle of the United States in Nebraska where, the, where it's a typically cooler climate and it's drier, um, the assets are going to stay, stay longer. Um, yeah, they're going to they're gonna stay in better condition for longer than if you have pipe in a pipe yard on the Gulf Coast where right. there's salt, <laughs> salt air and yeah. it's hot and it's humid and things like that. Um, so I would say number one is physical condition. Number two, uh, traceability and documentation is everything. When you start talking about uh, regulatory environments around FIMSA and other guidelines for pipeline construction, there's a specific set of documents that are needed for every asset that goes into that. Um, pipeline, whether it's MTRs or coding reports or a uh, data sheet for a valve or whatever the case may be, um, when you're looking at resourcing, I would say those two things are the biggest, um, the biggest pieces of the puzzle and the most crucial, and it's going to be physical condition and documentation. 
Okay, pretty good. Um, as far as market conditions go, how do you think that steel prices affect the market in, for pipe valves, fittings? Sure. So uh, I'm going to talk mainly about pipe in that scenario. Okay. And uh, you have to look at a couple of different um, steel indexes. One is hot roll coil and one is plate, uh, whether you're rolling spiral welded pipe or straight seam pipe. And um, really what you have to look at there is the lower the price point is for raw materials, the lower the price point is going to be for a, a finished product. So as a seller, you know that if you have a secondhand product and hot roll coil is really low, you're going to have to come down on your price a <laughs> right. little bit when you're trying to find an end user. Uh, if the steel market is really high, you're going to be able to realize some um, extended value there and be able to sell your product for higher. So the amount of money that you can recover on your surplus asset is going to fluctuate um, with those steel prices. We talked about scrap metal earlier in a lot of refineries and plants and facilities, you'll drive around and you'll see scrap bins there. And um, a lot of companies will start a little boneyard. And when steel prices go up, they put everything in the scrap bin and then they scrap it. And uh, they're scrapping their, their metal for a yes. higher, a higher price. So uh, I would watch those, I would watch those steel markets and the way that they, uh, the way that they shift in order to price your, your surplus and your scrap. Okay. And as far as supply chain goes, when do you feel like it's better to resource these? Uh, I think it's always a good time to resource, <laughs> right? to be honest with you. Um, as a procurement uh, or as a person in a procurement organization, I feel like you should always be thinking outside the box. How can I save my project manager's time in their, in their project? How can I accelerate getting, um, getting products to my right of way or to my facility? And that may mean taking a look at some alternatives. So if you're, if you have a project that's requesting 20 inch three, seven, five wall pipe, and you know of some 20 inch 406 wall pipe out there on the market, let's take a look at, maybe an engineered wall thickness instead of a standard wall thickness and think outside the box, maybe change the design of that pipeline so that you might be able to get your, um, your project online sometimes weeks or months ahead of time. And if you can do that, when you start extrapolating out the number of barrels per day or the number of cubic feet per day that go through that line, the project economics shift drastically. Yeah. And what do you feel like is the biggest uh, hurdle that people see in using resource assets? Like, what do you feel like you have to explain and get it, the point across to new end users for the assets to get them to believe in repurpose products? Sure. Assets? So I think uh, I think there's a, a couple different things that go into that answer. And the first one is going to be the stigma around surplus. Mm -hmm. This valve has been in a warehouse for two years. It may be out of warranty. The coating might be bad. So there might be um, some, uh, some additional roles to play within the organization, whether it's expediting and logistics or what have you that, um, that may have to be picked up and uh, actually manage step-by-step step through the process. So it's a lot of process education. Okay. Um, so you're talking about picking up pipe maybe getting it stripped, recoded, reshipped back out to the right of way, instead of just calling up a manufacturer and saying, hey, I need pipe A at location B and it shows up on your doorstep. There's a little, it's a little more 
uh, work intensive, but overall, when you start seeing the uh, lead time savings and the cost savings, it's really worth it when you start looking at six figure savings, seven figure savings and weeks of lead time. That means a lot to a project manager. And that's our first episode of Coming Down the Pipe. Be sure to subscribe and thank you for joining us for our monthly podcast.